You know, when it comes to sermons, um, I think most Christians and non-Christians agree that one sermon they don't like uh, to hear about is money. (laughs) It's very personal, although I will be preaching on money uh, in the next uh, few weeks because I think it's important for us to understand how we need to participate in God's financial plan for us. You know, it's, it's a common complaint that the church talks too much about money. Years ago when Rick Warren decided to start a new church in Southern California that probably one of the most uh, successful churches of the last couple decades, Saddleback Church, he conducted a house-to-house survey just asking people why they didn't attend church. The number one answer is because we feel the church just always wants our, our money. And the church talks a lot about money because the church needs money. How are we going to inspire lifelong relationships with Jesus? How are we going to love men, train, and send if we don't have funds? I mean, we understand that money is necessary. This week, I was meeting with our bookkeeper, looking over the end of fiscal uh, 2021. I'm so glad that our church has always been fiscally conservative, always had cash reserves. Because COVID hit, and this was a tough year financially, we had to take a couple thousand dollars a month out of our cash reserves just in order to continue to minister. But I thought, praise God, I'm glad we had cash reserves. You know what I'm saying? We need, we need funds. And I told that to our bookkeeper. I said, you know, that's just the nature of a church. We need money to do what God has called us to do. And then I felt really the Holy Spirit speak to me, yeah, but there's something even more than money than you need from your congregation. And again, it seems so basic, but it's so true. We need prayer. We can have all the money that we need and still not accomplish what God wants us to do if we haven't undergirded it with prayer. It's like putting up a big sailboat and having a big sail and getting ready for the journey. We've got everything we need, but if you don't have wind, the sailboat isn't going anyplace. And I think sometimes in a church we build these big sailboats and we got all these fancy ideas and strategies and goals and missions and visions and there's nothing wrong with that. But without the power of the Holy Spirit, without prayer, without the Holy Spirit revealing to people their need of the gospel, it's all for naught. Because the fact is the reason you and I came to faith in Jesus was not really because of a sermon or because of a crusade, or because of, uh, it was because the Holy Spirit spoke to you in your heart. The Bible's very clear. The Father is the one that calls us into relationship. We really have not chosen Him. He has chosen us. We simply have responded to the choice. So today, I'm not going to speak about money. I really want to speak about something I believe is more needed than money if we're going to be effective as a church in 2021. As Paul finishes his letter here to the Colossians, he extends a challenge to them. Paul's challenge is my challenge to you today. Because the very thing that Paul needed 2,000 years ago is the same thing that we need today. Colossians chapter 4, beginning with verse 2. Continue steadfastly 
in prayer. Is that interesting? He didn't say steadfastly in attendance, steadfastly in monthly potlucks, steadfastly in giving, steadfastly in strategic strategy sessions. He says continue steadfastly in prayer. We can learn there that Paul is saying the foundation of an effective ministry is that of prayer. That's why I'm starting this year by preaching about prayer. I think it is the foundation we need. Verse 2 says, or verse 3 says, at the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison. See, he wrote this from prison. That I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. WFA needs more than money. We need a congregation of believers committed to the ministry of prayer. Three things here. Notice quickly that Paul challenges the church to do. He says make prayer a priority. That's what it means to vote steadfastly. Make it a priority. And not an afterthought. A priority. He says look for things to pray about. He says be watchful. Watch for things to pray about. Have you ever thought as you pass an ambulance at a car accident to turn off your radio and just breathe prayers for that situation? To help the first responders to have mercy and grace and may healing be evident in those people's lives who've been hurt. There's all sorts of opportunities to pray. And then he says, do it with a good attitude. Do it with thanksgiving. Prayer should not be work for us. We should do it with thanksgiving. Man, we can communicate 24-7. Our spirit can be in tuned with God himself. And then Paul says, and pray for us. And today, I'm asking you to do those same things. Make prayer a priority. Pray specifically for the ministries of, of our church, of those that we support. Yeah, you know, over 58, I think now, 58 or 59 missionaries or ministries, like the Wenatchee Gospel Rescue Mission, like the Lighthouse. Pray for them. Let's not just give our funds. Let's pray for them. Pray first that we'll have opportunities for ministry. Verse 3. Pray that God may open to us a door for the word. I don't know everything God has in store for an Anchi First Assembly, but I know that he wants us to be involved in our community. He wants us to be involved in the world. But he wants us to be involved more than just opening our doors to the public once or twice a week. That's not enough. Yes, he's called us to gather for worship like we are this morning corporately, but he's also called us to reach out to others in ministry as well, to go beyond our building. The love, the mending, the training needs to go beyond our walls 
And Jesus introduced that whole idea to his disciples when he said, man, in this city there are places where the presence of Christ is desperately needed. And that's true of our cities. Man, in our schools, there's thousands that need to hear about God. In our neighborhoods, there's families who need to hear about the transforming power of Jesus we just sang about. It's wonderful to sing that he's a way maker. He can transform us. We need to allow him to transform us, but we need to pray that we have opportunities to introduce the transformation of the gospel to our community this year. Man, downtown, I drove downtown the other day, and I was just kind of praying as I went along, and I thought, man, there are so many business professionals who need to hear that Christ can fill their life with meaning, not just to prosper their businesses, but to fill their very life with meaning. There are people in the clubs that need to hear how Jesus can fill the emptiness that haunts them. People who have been wrecked by sin need to know it's not too late. God can put your life back together again. There are so many people right now that are just filled with despair. People living in, in fear. And they need to know we believe in the hope that the Holy Spirit can give us. That hope that comes from the power of God. Man, friends, this city and Kashmir and Malaga and Chelan and Leavenworth and Peshastan filled with thousands of people that need to know that God loves them so much that he sent his only begotten son. We need to pray that we will have opportunities to proclaim the gospel, to take the life-changing message of Jesus into our community and into your family events and into your classrooms and into your orchards into your places of business. We know this. There's nothing new I'm sharing with you this morning. But I pray the Holy Spirit will help us understand the necessity to really get back to the basics of the gospel, to share our faith, to live our faith, to pray about where to go and when to go and what to say to pray that God will open up doors of ministry for not just this church, but for you as individuals. Because remember, the church is no more powerful, no more effective than you and I are collectively. I remember six, seven years ago when I was working on my master's degree, and I had a class in the Holy Spirit, and one of the assignments was to actually ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and then just kind of go along your day but be, be cognizant of the fact that there was someone the Holy Spirit was going to place into your life that day. It's a crazy thing. I'm not going to go into all the details, but I remember visiting with a lady sitting in front of Walgreens on a bench. And then I went into Walgreens and the Holy Spirit really said, you know, you need to buy her some chocolate. I thought, oh, man, this is just crazy. This is way out of my comfort zone. The lady doesn't need chocolate. She needs food, you know, which I bought her some food. I bought her some chocolate. I took her back out. You know, it was a, it was a wonderful connection as I shared with her that God loved her. But what was really wonderful 
It's to know that I had been led by the Spirit and I was obedient to the Spirit. It will increase your faith. I know it will take you out of your comfort zone when you say to God, use me today, lead me today, help me to spread your gospel today. But friends, it will do something for you that will be absolutely impactful in your confidence in hearing from the Lord and in your ability to share your faith. I know we can't do everything that needs to be done, but we can go where God's calling us to go. We need to pray that God will give us more opportunities as individuals and as a church in 2021. The second thing that Paul prays about here is that they would proclaim the message of Christ. Verse number 4 says that I may make it clear. See, one problem the church faces is the world sometimes gets confused. It doesn't know what our message is. We're another Red Cross. We're another resource group from the community. We're giving food. We're giving water. We're doing all those things. And friends, those are good things to do. But that is not our message. We're not a social agency. Although we do want to feed the hungry. We want to clothe the naked. We understand that. But that's only taking care of their temporal needs. It's not the message that God has given us, the gospel message that Jesus saves, that he can transform us spiritually. The community needs to know what our message is. Unfortunately, most of the community knows what we're against. They just don't know what we're for. And that's sad. And maybe that's because of the way preachers and churches are portrayed on television. I don't know. But I think part of the problem is the community thinks the heart of our message is do this and don't do that. And that shouldn't be the heart of our message. The gospel isn't a set of do's and don'ts. It's about that relationship we can have with Jesus Christ. I just don't think the world understands the gospel, but it's not the world's fault. It's the church's fault. We haven't made it clear. I'm not even sure that everyone who attends churches throughout our community on a given Sunday morning understand the gospel. I mean, I know that's kind of a harsh statement, but I I wonder. Paul said to some people, the gospel is a stumbling block. To others, it's foolishness. He records that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The church has a responsibility to proclaim the gospel clearly so the people will understand. And the heart of the gospel is Jesus Christ The Son of God has the power to transform our lives, to turn it around, to redeem us, to remove our guilt, to remove our shame, to replace purpose and joy and peace for all the anxiety, all the worry, all the selfishness, all the self-control that we tend to carry. I want our church to be a place that will accept Anyone who walks in the door, but never compromises 
the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's so important, friends, that we accept those that God sends into our life. Not try to change them, but try to help them connect with the way maker, with Jesus, who will change them, who will transform them. I don't think there's any better indication of a church's faithful proclaiming the gospel than to have some identify it as a loving fellowship. I remember just a couple years back, I did a graveside service for a young lady in her 20s. She died of a heroin overdose. I had baptized her just seven, eight months prior to that. She really wanted to serve the Lord. I think she did love the Lord. It was a, it was a, a sad situation, but I was doing the graveside in a nearby community. And I remember afterwards just kind of lingering around, and I heard someone say, what, what church is that guy from? And the person said, oh, First Assembly in Wenatchee. That's where so-and-so went, the lady that I buried. And uh, the conversation basically was, well, I, I don't do churches because I'm always judged. And this person said, you know, you should try Wenatchee First Assembly because they accept everybody. My heart was so warm. My heart was so humble because that's the congregation. That's, that's you at work, not the pastors, not the leadership. Yes, we kind of hopefully set the, the example, but that's the congregation. You're the ones that love on people. And I appreciate that. And I don't think there's any better indication of a church faithfully proclaiming the message than to have someone outside the church say, that's a loving fellowship. It didn't compromise our message, but it showed that our message was wrapped in the love and acceptance and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. So as doors of opportunity open for us, we've got to make sure that we proclaim clearly and loudly the gospel. I don't want us to be defined what we're against. <laughs> I want us to be defined according to who we're for, which is Jesus. Pray that we'll proclaim the message faithfully. Third thing Paul says here Pray that we will not let setbacks stand in our way. He says that a little bit differently because he's in prison. So he says, I want to declare the gospel of Christ even though I am in prison. Pray that I will be used in prison. I just read yesterday in Philippians a scripture that says, no matter what happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter what happens in your life, good or bad, deserved or undeserved, no matter what happens, conduct yourself in a manner that's worthy of the gospel of Jesus. Here's Paul in jail, and he's saying, you know, I just want to make sure that I conduct my life worthy of the gospel. I want to share the gospel. We know Paul spent significant times behind bars, <laughs> but he never stopped preaching. He never stopped loving. He never stopped writing to people. He never stopped encouraging churches. In fact, 
Prison was not only the, set, the only setback that he experienced. Man, listen to this out of the letter of Colossians or out of the letter of Corinthians. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I've received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day on open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the country, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. I've labored, I've toiled, I've often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I've been cold, I've been naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for the churches. Man, I read that list and I say, wow, can you imagine facing those kind of setbacks? (laughs) And we get upset over little inconveniences. Paul refused to allow any obstacle to stand in his way. And friends, that needs to be our attitude. No matter what 2021 brings, we will not let it stand in our way of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it starts with prayer. Everything I'm talking about today is that we need to pray for those opportunities. We need to pray pray that our message is loud and clear. Because we will experience setbacks in our efforts to ministry. There's going to be times that things will be difficult. There'll be times when quitting seems to be the easiest and the most logical thing to do. But no matter how attractive the option may seem, we've got to remain faithful. We've got to stay true to this battle we're in. We've got to continue to, to pursue the ministry to which God has called us. I mentioned the youth dessert auction. I'm so, so proud of the way Pastor Allen and, and Zach Kruger, they looked at the circumstances. We, there's no way we can get 100 people in the gym and have an auction the way we've done it for eight or nine years. Man, when Angela first introduced that dessert auction to our youth department, and it's just grown every year. And they could have said, well, there's no way. We can't do it. But they didn't. (laughs) They started praying. They started talking about ideas. What if? Could we do it virtually? Would people, you know, attend online? How does that really work? I was concerned it was going to be virtual desserts and not the real thing. But it wasn't. It all worked out okay. But, you know, I I was proud of that. I was proud of Pastor Allen when he had a big VBS all ready for this summer, he had bought supplies. His first summer here as our family pastor, and he was ready to go with our vacation Bible school. But he didn't let that setback <laughs> discourage him. He came up with some other ideas. We had our family fishing day. <laughs> he had the, the after-school recess in our gym. I'm just very, very proud of the way I've seen so many of this church rise above the obstacles of the day. Because we just can't throw in the towel because things are getting a little rough. We can't expect that life will always be easy. There's always going to be obstacles, always going to be setbacks. But if we're going to be the church God has called us to be, we've got to press on. So as we begin this new year, hear me, church. (laughs) Yes, we need your help financially, 
But there's something we need even more than money. We need a community of faith. We need a family who are committed to prayer. To pray for our missionaries. To pray for our youth leader. To pray for our kids' ministry. To pray for our outreach events. And this week I'm challenging myself and I'm challenging all of us to make prayer a greater priority in your life than it's ever been before. And I'm not asking you to pray an hour a day. But if you don't pray at all, would you take two or three minutes a day and pray? Or if you pray five minutes a day, would you pray five minutes and then later in the day pray an additional two or three minutes? I think all of us can do better in this area of prayer until we get to that point that Paul said we're praying constantly, which means we're in tune with the Holy Spirit. Pray for our church. Pray for our vision and the mission. Pray for the leaders of our church. Pray for the workers. Pray for the staff. Pray that we'll have an open opportunity for ministry to this community. Pray that we will not compromise our message, but we will clearly proclaim the message of Christ. And let's pray that no matter what, no matter what comes our way, obstacles or hurdles, that we will not allow that to hinder us from doing what God has called us to do. Would you bow your head right now in just a moment of prayer? Jesus, we end this service today applying what we've learned and praying for your church. Not just Wenatchee First Assembly, but your church. You said you would build your church and the gates of hell would not prevail. And God, we're thankful that you've allowed Wenatchee First Assembly to be part of the larger church the larger body of Christ. And we pray, oh God, that this year, the churches in our community, and particularly our church, which is the one that we're responsible for, will take every opportunity we have to proclaim the good news that Jesus saves. Lord, forgive us for being caught up in so many trappings, oh God, of the world. And help us to get back to the basics, Lord. Sometimes, Lord, we shake it off and we just say, oh, prayer and Bible study, we know that. But God, we really don't know that. We, we don't know the power that it will give us to say no to temptation and yes to righteousness. We don't know the power that it will give us to proclaim the gospel, to be fearless when it comes to sharing our faith. God, today on this first day of our week of prayer, we do pray for those who don't know you. From lost to found is our theme. And God, right now, we just lift up names of family, names of neighbors, names of acquaintances, names of future or uh, past co-workers, those, oh God, that don't know you. Lord, put on each of our hearts a couple names that we can continue to lift up to you this week, knowing, God, that you would have none to perish but all to come to repentance. 
Lord, we pray for Wenatchee First Assembly. We thank you for this great church. A hundred plus years of proclaiming the gospel. God, I thank you for the faithfulness of so many. Thank you for our workers. I thank you for our deacon board. Thank you for our pastors and our staff. And I thank you, Lord, for this congregation that you've called for such a time as this. Lord, it's unwise, the Bible says, to try to relive the past. We're not to go back and try to relive the glory days of Leonard White and all that happened on Spokane Street. We're not going to go back and try to relive the wonderful days that we built this auditorium. We're not even going to go back a couple years ago and try to relive what we had then. But we're going to embrace what you've given us for this day, for this year. And we thank you, God, for those that you have put into our congregation. And Lord, I pray there be a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit upon all of us. Lord, that we will be people of prayer. We will be people of praise. We will be people of power. We will be people of hope, knowing that hope is fueled by your Holy Spirit. I pray you'll give us opportunities this year we've never had before to proclaim the gospel. Lord, we want to know you in a more intimate way. Give us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Deliver us from all the peripheral things and just help us to walk closer to you, knowing that you're our way maker. You're the one that can transform us. You're the one that's the miracle worker, our Savior, our healer, our deliverer and our soon-coming King.